I, w- I don't even know how to pronounce it. What's it? Madripoor? 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 Madripoor. 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 Mandy Pal. <laughs> Another Friday is here, which means it is time to enjoy the weekend and talk about the newest episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's, everybody. I'm your host today, Matt Johnson, a.k.a. Sharon Carter's event planner. I'm Keith Baker, a.k.a. The Snake Juice Shot. And I'm Austin Terry, a.k.a. Just Some Lame Villain Named Frowning Leopard. We hope you've all been having a great week as well as a week full of great content consumption. I talked about it last week, but I have to bring it up again. I've continued my journey with Amazon Prime's latest superhero show, Invincible. Episode 4 just came out, and I'm really loving this show. It's definitely a satire of classic superheroes, but it has this really cool overarching mystery plot that is super compelling while having kind of contained and fun stories wrapping up each episode on top of that. So definitely going to be curious where this one goes. The voice acting and action is top-notch as well. But what about you guys? What have you been watching? Yeah, I've seen that show blowing up on Twitter this week, so I'm definitely going to have to check that one out. As for me, I have uh, been preparing for Godzilla vs. Kong. I went back and checked out a few of the MonsterVerse movies. Uh, namely, though, I definitely had to go back and rewatch Kong Skull Island. So that was kind of my big watch of the week is, is going back and checking out some Jeff Goldblum and Samuel Jackson action. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum, Keith. Did you like him in Kong Skull Island? He was in that? No, of course not. Austin, who are you talking about? <laughs> what character? I'm talking about John Goodman? <laughs> Yeah, that's what I meant. Okay. <laughs> you missed up John Goodman. Well, and he Jeff got Goldblum. the he got the initials right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I also went back and prepared for our Godzilla vs. Kong movie as well. And I've also been preparing for our best picture bracket coming up later this month. So I just watched Argo, I think it was a couple days ago. Still holds up. Great movie. Nice. And Ben Affleck. Just, I guess you just didn't have enough of him in your life after the Snyder Cut and Chasing Amy, Keith. That's like two back-to-back months. Is John Goodman actually in Argo? He is. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Perfect connection. Wow. Keith and I are just we're knocking out the same actors, Ben Affleck and John Goodman. Good job, guys. Good job. So along with that, of course, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier has been part of our weekly TV as well. If you didn't know, we did an entire TV review series on WandaVision before this. So if you love that and didn't check out our thoughts on it, be sure to head over to our podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, leave us a review, and scroll up to our WandaVision episode so you can give that a listen if you haven't already. If this is your first episode of The Arnie's, welcome. We're very happy to have you. Our main episodes come out every Tuesday. Last week, we continued our latest retrospective and review series of the MCU Phase 1 with Iron Man 2. Now, Keith, Iron Man 2 is not looked back on super fondly by most. How is it for you to go back, and are there any highlights of our recording people should look forward to? Going back to Iron Man 2 was a good time. I think... I'm trying to remember. I mean, I, I was still kind of high up on it. One of our one of our best highlights was actually, I think, Matthew, you were making fun of the element creation and why it was even in there. I remember we were really puzzled by that. <laughs> I still don't know. I, I still don't understand how you guys are confused about this. We get a triangle. Oh, That's the answer. I forgot about that part. I forgot about that aspect. A new shape. That's right. Of course, we had Don Cheadle joining, who we saw in the premiere episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier. And we had some Mickey Rourke impressions in there that I feel like everybody should check out, too. I mean, those are just so plentiful in that movie because he wants his birth. Um, We already talked about it, but 
Austin. This coming Tuesday, we are taking a look back at another cinematic universe. We watched Godzilla 2014, Kong Skull Island, and Godzilla King of the Monsters this week in preparation for a new release. Feels nice to have a new release. We don't talk about those as often as I would like. But Austin, are you looking forward to the newest entry to the MonsterVerse, Godzilla vs. Kong? And what should we look forward to in this recording? I mean, what are we going to be talking about? Man, yeah, you know, the MonsterVerse is a weird one because it's not considered like the best movies ever made, but they all have some great cinematography and really cool monster moments. Um, I think the biggest thing to look forward to this one is the showdown, the showdown between Godzilla versus Kong. I don't know if you guys have seen this one yet. I have. Um, I enjoyed it more than I expected to. And there is some pretty fun um, like MonsterVerse Easter eggs in there. So I can't wait to break those down with you guys. I actually just watched it last night. So definitely fresh in my mind. I'm looking forward to doing that recording in a couple days and we'll see what happens. I think this one's going to be another one where we all have very different takes on these movies. So keep an eye out for that when that episode drops. We have some great content out now and some more exciting stuff on the way. Also, we want to hear from you. Send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. Let us know how you're feeling about all this content. But now it is time. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is halfway over already. Crazy. This one is just flying by. Austin and Keith, remind everybody of your thoughts on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier so far, and then please follow it up with your non-spoiler thoughts on episode three. Yeah, so far I've been really high on this show just throughout this whole review series. Um, I've really been enjoying these awesome character moments along with the sweet action that they've been giving us each week. For me, though, episode three, I think, is the lowest of everything they've released so far. Um, I can't, I still can't put my finger on it, but just something about this episode felt really cheesy to me. And they were also missing a lot of the great character moments that they'd given us in both episodes one and two. There was the pretty cool action sequence in this episode with a fun character. Other than that, though, the main thing that's kept me tuning in each week has been these character moments. And without kind of having that this week, I felt like I was pretty let down in episode three. Yes, uh, for me so far, uh, yeah, I've enjoyed the action and I've also enjoyed the uh, character development as well. It's good seeing uh, Sam and Bucky back, but we're kind of seeing them in a different light now. And as far as episode three, yeah, I think I'm in a second with Austin there. This one's a little lower for me, and I'm with you. I, I don't know what it was. I just found myself not as engaged in this episode as the previous two. Uh, I guess maybe that could be due to the fact that it took maybe a different turn than we were expecting, maybe. And I'm not going to spoil what happens, but that's all I'll say. I don't know. It just went in a different direction than I was expecting, and we just didn't get a lot of what I was hoping for in this one. And based on that direction it went, Keith, I'm, I'm kind of worried we might be on a downward trajectory now in the following weeks, but we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I clearly, I liked it the most out of the three of us, but I don't disagree with anything you've said. This is definitely my least favorite episode so far, but I still really liked it. Um, and yeah, without spoiling anything, I liked some of the returning characters we saw and I also was impressed about how every single thing element-wise and just story beats and just little plot moments that have been brought up since the premiere are all connected. I mean, while what Bucky and Sam are doing in this episode kind of feels like, is this really in line with what we were seeing? It is. It's just kind of like they're following a lead for this grander mystery, but it's like it feels like they're not tackling the whole thing, just like a part of it, if that makes sense. So everything is still connected. It just... It, it, yeah, it felt weirdly smaller what they were doing in this episode, which was weird because they presented it in kind of this more grand way. So I think that was kind of what was weirding me out. And yeah, the biggest thing I'll agree with is the character moments were a bit lacking. We got some highlights for sure that we'll talk about, but ultimately it kind of felt like 
we were leaning more towards joking around, which I like seeing, you know, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan do that. But it would have been nice to follow up some of those great, more in-depth character moments from the last couple episodes, which we didn't get as much here. Yeah, I, I think I agree for the most part with what you just said, Matt. I think I think the biggest issue that I have with this episode, though, is that a lot of the connected things that you were talking about to me this week felt more like fan service as opposed to actually furthering the plot. So for me, some of those connections just really didn't work this week. Yeah, uh, I don't feel the same way, but we can't really talk about it anymore without getting into spoilers. So with that, everybody, if you have not watched season one, episode three of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, this is officially your spoiler warning. Go watch the episode and then come on back to give us a listen. We'll be here waiting for you with all of our spoilery thoughts. So before we get into the plot or our thoughts, let's do a quick full cast and crew breakdown. Again, this is season one, episode three. The episode's called Power Broker. Keith, run it down. All right. Power Broker. Created by Malcolm Spellman. Directed by Kari Skolgland. Again, which I believe directed the first two. Am I right there? You are. All right. And then written by Derek Kolstad, who also wrote all the John Wick movies. Uh, going into our cast, so of course, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan return as the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And this week, we are joined by Daniel Brühl as Baron Zemo, Emily Van Camp as Sharon Carter, and Florence Kasumba as Ayo, returning from Civil War, Black Panther, and Infinity War. Alright guys, so there's the cast and crew. Any highlights for you this episode? I guess I don't really have a whole lot this week. I, I will go ahead and shout out Emily Van Camp just for her action scene. Um, I think it's funny that we do have the John Wick connection with the writer here because her combat scene in this episode really does feel very John Wickish. I didn't love the way she just kind of shows up this week, but I did like everything we got from the character. So I'll go ahead and shout out Emily Van Camp as Sharon Carter. I agree with Austin there. I mean, it's, it's, this week's kind of hard because, I mean, really our big kind of two cast members here. I mean, Florence Kasumba is kind of the final little cameo at the end. So Daniel Brühl and Emily Van Camp are the big ones here. Anthony Mackie, Sebastian Sainer, of course, great. Like I said, I felt the character depth was lacking a little bit. Maybe I need to rewatch to see if I still feel that way. But since Austin took Emily Van Camp, I'll shout out Daniel Brühl. I think he is just an amazing actor. I think everything I've ever seen him in, even movies and TV shows that aren't very good, I think he's always extremely good and engaging. And I was excited for this because I know you guys were asking me, like, do you, like, you didn't remember he was in Civil War. He kind of played the villain role. So for me, remembering that, it was really cool to see some of the storylines followed up there and also just little elements of his character being continued. And I really like seeing him interact with Sebastian Stan, who he interacted with a whole bunch in Civil War. So I thought he turned in a great performance, and I'm curious to see where that character goes later on. I guess I'll do one little shout out, and that's to Florence Kasumba, even though she barely had any lines in this one at the very end. I still think she's badass, and I like the... I think I just think she looks badass. I don't know. Something oh, yeah. about her <laughs> is cool. So, yeah, I'm excited to see her come back in this and see what she's going to do. Yeah, I'm curious to see. I mean, Bucky's talked a lot about Wakanda the last couple episodes, seeing how maybe him working with Zemo, who they said in this episode, again, in Civil War, Zemo framed Bucky for killing King T'Chaka, Black Panther's father. So the idea of Bucky, somebody that is in good with Wakanda, now they... 
are tracking him or they find him and it's like, you're working with Zemo? You broke him out of prison? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, we're going to kill you and him, basically. So I'm really curious how that relationship will go. And yeah, she looks just so badass. So before we get everybody into our full-on discussion, here's what happened in this episode real quick. Episode 3, Power Broker. Unbeknownst to Sam Wilson, Bucky Barnes orchestrates a prison riot to help Zemo escape, and he agrees to help stop the Flag Smashers due to them having acquired the Super Soldier Serum. They travel to Madripoor, a criminal sanctuary, and meet with high-ranking criminal Selby. She reveals it was former Hydra scientist Dr. Wilfred Nagel who was hired by the power broker to recreate the serum. Sharon Carter, who has been living as a fugitive, saves them from bounty hunters and brings them to Nagel's lab. They learn he created 20 doses of the serum, which Carly Morgenthau stole. Then Zemo kills Nagel, and the lab is destroyed. Carter stays behind, and Wilson agrees to obtain her a pardon. Makes you wonder... Why haven't they been talking since literally any point yeah, in time? <laughs> that's, that's the big thing. That's the big thing in this episode. <laughs> yeah, I know Sam was blipped, but it doesn't excuse them not communicating while they were on the run for two years and since he's been back. Very strange. Anyway, John Walker and Lamar Hoskins arrive in Berlin and deduce that Barnes and Wilson helped Zemo escape. While the Flag Smashers raided GRC storage facility in Lithuania for supplies, Zemo, Barnes, and Wilson travel to Latvia in search of Morgenthau. Barnes recognizes Wakandan tracking devices in the street and confronts Dormelage member Ayo, who demands Zemo. All right. Well, Matt, thank you for that beautiful, articulate plot summary, as always, every week. Let's get into our roundtable discussion now. Who wants to kick us off today? So we mentioned at the top that we are now halfway done with this series. How are we feeling about the overall story with Sam and Bucky going against the Flag Smashers? This time we get a little bit of a detour that is fairly related to that because of the whole super soldier element, along with the Zemo and Sharon Carter team up. So did this episode's story work for you? Why or why not? I know we talked about it a little bit already, but let's break it down more. It worked for me in some ways, yeah. But like I said, I just felt like there wasn't all that much talking between anybody. It just felt like more of a doing episode than a talking episode. And when I say doing, it just felt like they were just kind of walking around. And it felt like this episode was mainly led by Zemo, which is fine. But it's just we didn't really get a lot of build up to that. It's just kind of like, okay, he's out of prison and and here he is. And now we're just going to do whatever he says and follow him. We just did not get a lot of talking from uh, Sam and Bucky. And then the Sharon Carter thing coming into it just kind of felt, it kind of felt abrupt as well, too. I don't know. It just felt like it. she wouldn't be there. I don't know. It's like it was too convenient for her to be there. Is she the power broker? Oh, I haven't thought question. about that. That's a good question. I didn't even think about that, that. I feel like that's the only way you could kind of justify her. Just not only like they could have had it where she was tracking them, but they established that she lives there. So it's like, oh, OK. So a little bit strange. I think the dynamic of having both the power broker and the flag smashers is starting to get a little bit jumbled because in the beginning, they kind of set up that the flag smashers work for the power broker. But now I get that the flag smashers betrayed them, but then now they're also kind of setting up to be two separate entities. So that's kind of getting a little bit a little bit jumbled, I think. I really hope we actually get a reveal next week about like who the power broker is and what their motives are. Um, as for just like the episode as a whole, Keith, you kind of touched on it, but everything this week to me felt extremely rushed. It's like, all right, we got to go see Zemo. Zemo's out of prison. All right, yeah. we got to go to Manjapur. Okay, we fought some people at Manjapur. We got to go to Latvia. Like, it's just very, very quick. I think they resolve a lot of their questions extremely fast in this episode, so just the whole thing felt extremely rushed and a little bit too convenient, like you said, Keith. Yeah, lots of jumping around. I was like, okay, now we're in Latvia, now we're in Indonesia, now we're back in the States. It was just 
too confusing for me. I definitely don't disagree with that. I mean, it is starting to get a bit more convoluted. Um, I So far, I'm able to follow it. But yeah, if they keep kind of playing with these, like changing allegiances, I think like starting next week, I'm going to get a bit lost. Yeah, I don't know what the Power Broker deal is. We know that they the Flag Smashers were working for them, and now they're not. And now the Power Broker's mad, but then they destroy the serum. So it sounds like the Power Broker's going to have to beg them to help. So yeah, no idea how all of that will get resolved. Um, I guess the biggest compliment I can say is I think really the only times in this episode that we got anything kind of meaningful character-wise was when we were discussing the Super Soldier Serum because Zemo hates it and he kind of contextualizes it as Steve with Steve Rogers, kind of like when we put people like that on pedestals, what does that mean? And that also obviously plays into Sam Wilson giving up the shield and not accepting that mantle. So... I liked that, and this is what I'm referring to as the, at the beginning, which would this episode have made more sense if somehow Zemo knew about the Flag Smashers already and could track them somehow? Maybe. Maybe that would have felt a bit more natural, but I at least appreciated that they were going after the super soldier element um, specifically, because that makes sense too. I mean, these people are super soldiers, so you have to stop that production or else they're going to keep cropping up. So I liked that, but I do agree with you guys that it did feel weirdly small scale in the grand scheme of the Flag Smashers, but again, it is this weird, like, globe-trotting quest with Zemo, so it felt so grand. So it was kind of, like, at odds at times, I think. To me, though, it also feels like just because all these people have the Super Soldier Serum doesn't automatically mean they're evil. We, like, we have two people in the Avengers with the Super Soldier Serum, so it kind of seems to me like Falcon and Bucky should be first trying to kind of track down Carly Morgenthau and actually have a conversation with her instead of like immediately assuming they're bad and we need to stop all this super soldier production. Like, yeah. I think that's where things are getting a little bit lost for me. And it, it yeah, and that didn't happen until the end of the episode. Like, before Nagel dies, they ask where Morgenthau is, and that leads them to Latvia. But that wasn't really their goal at the beginning, right? So it's like, it, we didn't get back to the whole Morgenthau thing until the very end. I, yeah, I agree with like the whole super soldiers, of course, not all are evil. And I guess maybe they need to track them down because like Isaiah Bradley, all of them will be used for like government reasons. But yeah, I'm getting a little bit lost with it too, to be honest. Like, I don't really know what our characters are trying to do. Like, it just always comes back to like, we need to be Captain America. We need to take up the mantle. And then this episode was kind of weird because then it just randomly cut. It cuts back to John Walker twice. And it's like, oh yeah, he's in the show. I forgot. So yeah, this episode was structured <laughs> kind of weirdly. I think the biggest issue, too, is I, I really thought this week we were going to be establishing who our villains are. Like, we still really don't know who our villains are or what their motivations are. So we don't still kind of fully understand what Falcon and Sam are trying to do. Like, I get that they're trying to stop the super soldier serum, but to what ends? Like, like who are we trying to stop beyond that? Because clearly the villain's not Carly Morgenthau. It's, it's clearly there's bigger players. I really thought this week, especially with the introduction of Zemo, that we were going to be establishing a strong villain this week, and we didn't get that. I did kind of like that twist, though, that Zemo didn't... I know we said it was kind of rushed him getting him in this episode, but I did kind of like that he was not some guy who just broke out of prison and started going after them as well. That would have been bad. Well, let's dive into the Zemo dynamic a little bit more now. So, like you kind of mentioned, Keith, how did you guys feel about them just, like, kind of busting him out of prison in the opening? I know last week we were predicting that we might get some Hannibal Lecter-type scenes with him kind of twisting the strings from prison. Um, we didn't really get that this week. And then almost immediately, they're all kind of like on board and working cordially with each other. So to me, it seemed like they kind of settled their differences a little too easily, and they really just kind of had them settle everything just to fit the way they wanted the show to work. 
I don't disagree with that. I really like the opening scene where we do kind of get the whole Hannibal Lecter element where he's behind the glass. But then you're right. That kind of uh, goes away pretty quick for this uh, cool breakout scene. I mean, I liked watching. I liked how they framed it with Bucky's narration. He's already done it, but he's explaining it to Sam. It's like just hypothetical. Uh, That was funny. Yeah. And then uh, Daniel Brule just walking in. But yeah, I do agree with you. Again, I guess some of these elements for Zemo as a character in that dynamic does fit into his kind of whole MO from Civil War. I mean, he's not like this maniacal, uh, like, I'm going to take over the world type of guy. He just wanted to break up the Avengers for killing his family because of Age of Ultron. So I get it. I get why he would want to work with them because he doesn't want there to be super soldiers. So he'll help to that end. But I was surprised kind of going off those same points. I mean, he had a couple moments where he like in Madripoor, they got split up, but then he just like finds them later. And then also when he kills Nagel and then he leaves and then he just drives up like, come on, guys. And I was like, this guy's <laughs> planning something. And I'm, I am excited to see what it is, but I'm curious why it makes sense why Bucky and Sam need him. But I'm curious why he needs them, if that makes sense. Like, why is he sticking it out with them? There must be there must be a reason. I thought for sure he was going to leave them right there. I was surprised he came back and picked them up. Yeah. It would have made sense, too. Like, that, you could have then had... If he leaves them right there, then then we immediately know, like, okay, now Zemo is the villain for the show. Like, yeah. it would have worked right then if he'd left. Yeah, that's why I wanted to bring it up, because you're right. I thought in this episode as well we were going to get more kind of solidifying of the villains. So now I think Zemo will probably make a turn at some point. But yeah, in the context of our current story... It seems like he's more of an accessory and he's just kind of hanging on for the time being. But clearly, Morgenthau, the Flag Smashers, and this mysterious power broker are the villains of this series. And maybe John Walker, eventually. Because again, in this episode, he's kind of just a dick the whole time. So it seems like they're trying to lean into that more. But we didn't get much of him in this episode. But how did you guys feel about the Zemo, Falcon, and Winter Soldier like crew in this episode? Because to me, like... They're kind of buddies in this episode. Like, they don't really have any tension, it doesn't seem like. At least that's not how I took it. Yeah. Like I said, I think there should be more build-up to it. But from what we got, I did like it. Um, I really liked that uh, Zemo was kind of the veteran of Mantra Ball. And I really liked the bar scenes when he goes in there. It kind of reminded me of, like, the Camino or not Camino, the uh, Coruscant <laughs> scenes in uh, Attack of the Clones for some reason in that bar. Oh, yeah. Uh, like the whole neon light thing is going on and their whole retro aspect of it. But yeah, I kind of like that. He was like, just keep playing your characters. You'll be fine. I, I'm I'm with you, Keith. I think you nailed it. Um, should there have been more tension with these characters? Yes, especially based on Civil War, which they even talk about in this episode. They talk about those events and Zemo's sitting right next to them. And they're talking about it like they're remis- reminiscing like they're old pals. Like, oh yeah, you remember when I yeah, did that? Yeah, we get good moments where Bucky like choke slams him and is like, if you like take my book again, I'll kill you. But yeah, it's like for the most part, they're just working together because they have to. But it does seem like at times they leaned into this weird like pseudo friendship dynamic but I'm also with Keith that it's still in a vacuum. I, I, I really liked it. I liked hearing Zemo talk about, like I said, Steve Rogers as a pedestal and referencing Bucky's time in the war and the Red Skull and kind of like maybe equating the Flag Smashers. Like, do you want a bunch of Red Skulls running around? And I liked those elements. And ultimately, <laughs> it didn't make any sense, but I like seeing him be a bit goofier, seeing him in like a like a turtleneck sweater, just dancing and sharing Carter's house. I was, <laughs> yeah, like, that was I was like, this is so weird, <laughs> but I'm, I'm kind of liking it. So it was a goofy dynamic for sure. It just seemed like so weird to me, too, because like they established that Zemo clearly has all these resources, but he was just like waiting for 
like Sam and Bucky to come along to break him out of prison. And it, it also did kind of seem like the prison break was a little too easy. Like he's, he's been in this maximum security facility since winter soldier and they break him out just by starting a prison riot. Like that just seemed a little bit too convenient for me. Like there's gotta be riots in this prison all the time. I'm, I'm assuming if Zemo's in this prison, there's a lot of other dangerous people in this prison too. They did establish in Civil War that Zemo's backstory, aside from coming from an aristocratic family, was he was like the leader of a Sokovian death squad. So he does have that military history, which we see at the end whenever he puts on the classic comic book accurate Zemo mask. So I guess you could argue like once he was given the opportunity to walk out of his prison door that he can take care of himself. That's really the only way I can justify it, because otherwise you're right, Austin, it's like... Eh, maybe that looked a little bit too easy. I mean, I think that's the biggest issue with, for me with this episode. I'm I'm probably going to be saying it a lot, but it just a lot of a lot of things seemed way too convenient. Well, how about this then? Maybe you'll like this more. Uh, we already talked about Sharon Carter just living in Madripoor was kind of convenient. That being said, it made sense based on the justification, like they don't have extradition, so she can stay there. But what about that? Let's talk about that dynamic with primarily Bucky and Sand. Did that work for you better? See, once again. My biggest issue with Sharon Carter is that she just conveniently shows up to save them when they're in danger. But the actual, like, her talking with them and, and the fact that all three of them clearly had this history, that was pretty cool. I didn't love their dialogue. Like, it all seemed, like, kind of campy, where she's like, where were you? I don't believe in heroes anymore. Like, all that stuff is just, like, it, I just didn't love the way it played out. Like, it, it almost seemed like she was, Sharon Carter herself was playing up the fact, like, hey, by the way, I'm a badass now, like... I'm not into any of this government stuff anymore. Like, that's just kind of how it felt to me. Yeah, which goes to my other question, or your question, Matthew. Is she the power broker? But then again, how does she get there? I just don't get why. Why is she here? Yeah, I didn't love it. I like their dynamic, but the way they set it up, I, I wasn't a big fan of it. It's like, I get that she betrayed the government, but ultimately, literally, all she did was hand Steve his shield and Falcon his wings. She took them from the government and gave them yeah. back to him. That's all she did. And she's had to, like, run away, which, I mean, they play into it. So, I mean, I guess it, it works emotionally, like, oh, man, that's really fucked up. But so that that aspect of it works. And I did like the dialogue. Again, it was convenient that she was there and placed there, but still the action was badass. But, like, whenever she kind of plays into the whole Sam not taking up the mantle element, like, she's like, good, that was a good choice. It's nice to see a character, even though I think by the end we'll see Sam as Cap, it was nice to at least have an opposing view. Like, have, like, yeah, you don't want to do that. That was the right call, Sam. I like that. And then I really liked her continuing down that line. And then Bucky's just like, oh, she's awful now. <laughs> I thought I thought there were some funny moments with yeah. them. So I, their, their chemistry felt a bit more natural. That line from Bucky was really funny. But for me, it just felt like a really big departure from all she did was steal Captain America's shield and give it to Captain America to, hey, I'm an anarchist now. Like, it just seemed like she's gone taking this huge character arc that we haven't seen until the show. Sure. I was equally surprised at the end of this episode that Zemo was still on the team with them, equally surprised that Sharon didn't join. And I get that she has to stay there because of the whole extradition thing. Does she, though? They're traveling with Zemo. I know, I know. But I mean, Zemo's like, with their party. I, if he can go <laughs> places, I'm pretty sure Sharon Carter no, can go I know. places, I, too. I guess the, the thing is that he's choosing to risk it, and she's like, I'm not going to choose to risk it. Uh, so I get that. But, okay. I mean, do you think she'll come back? Because we kind of talked about it in the premiere, like, I really like all these characters, or I hope they come back, and we get like a quick glimpse of Sarah Wilson, Sam's sister, in this episode for like a joke about the boat on the phone. But I mean, I hope we see Sharon Carter again, but based on her leaving at the end, I don't know if we will. Well, I was going to ask you about, you kind of said it earlier, Matthew, Is do you guys think that's what 
a lot of these MCU shows are going to be like where they just kind of drop all the other all the past characters in just for like a few seconds or a few yes. minutes of screen time and just to kind of give you a little bit of satisfaction but just not bring them back. Yeah, it's fan service. That's yeah. they'll, they'll definitely do that for sure cuz people love people love it when characters they know show up. I agree. I agree that it is fan service, but there is a line where that's bad and good. And by the end of like with the three more episodes we have, if they really find an interesting way to like keep Sharon Carter and Zemo a part of the plot, then I'm cool with it because it makes sense why you bring back these two characters. Bucky and Sam were huge players during Winter Soldier and Civil War, which heavily featured those characters and they have a history. So I'm cool with them coming back. But I agree if like this is all they're doing, then it does feel more like fan service. So I hope by the end it feels more natural and like they were included for a reason. Let's move into John Walker and Lamar Hoskins in this one. We didn't really get that much from them. So I was I was also left a little bit confused by who they're even infiltrating. Um, I guess I must have missed that. Um, it seems like and it seems like every time Walker and Lamar kind of get into a discussion, Lamar tends to give Sam and Bucky the benefit of the doubt. I mean, they were having a discussion about Zemo breaking out of prison, and Lamar is like, "I don't think I don't know if it was them. I wouldn't assume that quite yet." And Walker was just like, "No, it was them. It was definitely them, even though it wasn't them." But you know, he just kind of jumped to conclusions. So do you guys think this will play into him kind of joining forces with them later on while leaving Walker in the dust? I think that could be cool. Yeah, I would totally be interested in that. As for like John Walker in this episode, they really did kind of make a bit of a departure from episode two. Like the opening is him kind of roughly interrogating people, which seems a little bit out of line from what we got from the character in episode two. And then he just kind of like storms into this prison where Zemo escaped. Like he seems way more angry in this episode than he did in episode two. And I get that. I mean, the anger escalation makes sense. I think it feel it does feel a bit rushed. Um, to answer your question, Keith, the place that they're infiltrating in the beginning is the place that Morgenthau and the Flag Smashers took refuge in in the last episode. So basically, he's just kind of hot on their tail. He's interrogating the guy that housed them, basically, um, who isn't okay. giving him anything. And also, I think his anger plays into, again, this whole show is about revolves around the Captain America mantle. This guy... Whether we like it or not, is Captain America right now? He's interrogating this guy, and this guy says, oh, I know who you are. I just don't care. Like, he'd be afraid of Steve Rogers. I don't give a shit about yeah. you. And I think that's what's kind of angering him and will lead him down a darker path that might end up with him taking the super soldier serum. So we'll see what happens. But I think I also agree with you, Keith, that I think Hoskins will try and humanize him. And if he can't, I don't think he's going to turn. So either... He'll die, and that might be Walker's breaking point, or he'll try and help out Sam and Bucky in some way. I tend to agree with you, Matt. I am actually really enjoying the Lamar Hoskins character more so than I am John Walker. Um, I just kind of I really like where he's coming from in every scene that he's in. Like I kind of like that he has this affinity for the Avengers, where it's almost like John Walker has a chip on his shoulder, and he's like, oh, ha like kind of has this like inferiority complex where he thinks he's not good enough. I I kind of like everything we've gotten from Lamar Hoskins so far in this show. To that point, I think Wyatt Russell is doing a great job. It's just his character is getting harder and harder to like, which I think is the point. But I think acting wise, he's doing great still. Oh, yeah. I mean, on the Arnie's podcast, we are huge Wyatt Russell fans just for all the scenes that he shared with Keith in oh Everybody gosh. Wants Some. All my favorite scenes. <laughs> and that is not a joke, people. If yeah. you think we are playing that up, <laughs> that is not a joke. Keith was in Everybody Wants Some with Wyatt Russell. That is technically true. A total of like 10 seconds, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 10 more seconds than Austin or I, Keith. 10 more seconds. I'm thinking that Lamar's either going to die or he's probably going to 
move on to join Sam and Bucky and Walker will get left behind either as a villain or just a guy who's just broken, who who can't live up to the Captain America um, symbol. Or, counterpoint, do you think maybe John Walker takes the super soldier serum, gets killed by Zemo, and then the Mar Hoskins turns a little bit more darker? Mm, I have no idea. don't know. That's too many possibilities. I don't know. <laughs> Who's to say? Who's to say? Do you think we could be headed for a John Walker Zemo showdown since he is in the Captain America role? I would think the showdown would be with him and Bucky, but I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I mean, I, I have to imagine we'll get at least a scene between John Walker and Zemo. Now, what the context is, I don't know yet, but either way, I think it'll be pretty interesting. But you know what, Austin? Zemo might be the one, based on how Zemo talks about Steve in this episode, maybe Zemo is actually the one that pushes him beyond his breaking point, talking about living up to the mantle, talking about how he didn't even idolize Steve Rogers. So how am I supposed to idolize you, this weird knockoff? So maybe they'll use Zemo as kind of the like the thing that actually pushes him over the edge completely. Because Zemo is capable of that. And that could be a really fun dynamic too, just having this like non-superhero person come face to face with a real life supervillain. Like that could be a really interesting element to play into. Yeah, that could be cool. I didn't think about that. That's a good point. Okay, so let's talk about Mandrapur a little bit more. Keith, I know you kind of enjoyed it with the John Wick feel. As I've kind of touched on, to me, it did feel a little bit convenient that all their answers were in one place. Um, so what do you guys think about this? Is this just like, with the show being only six episodes long, do we kind of need something like this to just move the plot forward? Or did it feel rushed to you guys? You know, I did talk shit about it being rushed, but like you said, maybe it does make sense because we only have six episodes for them to do this quick like filler episode just to kind of get the answers out of the way. Um, I liked Mandrapol. I really liked that Zemo was kind of a veteran of this gangster city. I thought that really worked well for me. And as far as having all the answers in there, yeah, I mean, maybe that's just a way of moving the show forward. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with the point. It did. There were so many convenient things going on here. But at the very least, it was, it led to some interesting moments. Like, again, I didn't love the culmination of them sitting down with this Selby character and kind of the weird thing of like being in character but then sam like didn't silence his phone for some reason and then has to weirdly put it on speaker and fake it but then sarah doesn't play along so it's like what's the point of this scene and it seemed like she was playing along at first and then yeah. she stopped playing along i think well we've gotten so many great falcon moments and uh, we've gotten some good bucky moments but i did like the element of him having to take up the winter soldier mantle once again which i wouldn't be surprised is zemo kind of playing it up a little bit like oh, you have to dive back into that character when maybe he didn't actually have to uh, because he wants Bucky to delve back into that persona. So I like seeing how quick Bucky reverted to that old mentality whenever he's beating people up. It's like, oh, Jesus, like it just comes so naturally, which is kind of hard for him. So I think it did lead to some good character moments, but overall with the amount of time we spent there, I didn't love the time spent in Matzo Ball either. I feel like... Uh, like going to Sharon Carter's place with this weird art house, which is a party, and it's like... And she says she has clients coming, but it's just 80 people showing up for a house party. Yeah, so it's like, we got some really, like, genuinely fun moments and some, like, good jokes, but it's just, I was left confused at times, like, aren't, shouldn't we be trying to, like, find this doctor? Or, okay, we'll do, do, we'll do that tomorrow, I guess, so... Yeah, I mean, it was definitely confusing, and we spent most of the episode here, so there was, like, lots of different little convenient moments going on. Lots happening in Mandrapur, without a doubt. So here's the main thing that kind of took me out of this sequence, and I don't know if it impacted you guys as much, but in last week's episode, 
Sam is literally just walking down the street and a kid recognizes him out of his Falcon costume. So for me, it was just, it was like, how can he just walk into this place and not have everybody know who he is if we've already established that he gets recognized in the show walking down the street? So that part didn't work for me. And then also, does, does the whole world not know that the Winter Soldier isn't evil anymore? Like, would, that, would it not have spread that he helped the Avengers out in this final fight in the endgame? Like, so, so both of those things just, I, could, I really couldn't buy that their undercover element was working in this sequence. With the Winter Soldier, I'm definitely with you on that. I feel like everybody should know that he's not that guy anymore. But with Sam being undercover, maybe it's the way he was dressed as the, what was it, the Frowning Tiger or the Smiling Tiger? He looked exactly like the Smiling Tiger guy on the magazine. And since he does wear a somewhat of a mask when he's Falcon. And, and that's fine that they established that this is who he looks like. They just shouldn't have had the scene in the last week where he literally just gets recognized walking down the street. Like it would have made it, it would have worked better for me if that scene hadn't been in there last week. And I, and I love the scene we got last week and made him feel like an actual superhero. I just, it didn't really work for me in the context of this episode this week. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't really totally sure about how the whole smiling tiger element worked like i guess he just looked enough like him i mean the bartender calls him out as a smiling tiger so i guess literally they just found somebody that he looked like winter soldier makes a bit more sense for me because again bucky was evil up until winter soldier but then he's he was undercover for all of civil war he was framed by zemo for the killings and then he went to wakanda and went in the ice so the world wouldn't really know about his actions post-Civil War and Wakanda and helping out during Infinity War, getting blipped, coming back for Endgame. So I think he's pretty But they able. know about everybody else's. Uh, everybody else's what? Like, they, they, know, they know about everybody else's actions. Like, they know Iron Man's dead. They know Cap is dead. They know that Falcon helped out in the Soldier. That's kind of why his role's a little bit elevated more now. So why wouldn't they know about the Winter Soldier? Well, he also wasn't an Avenger. He was... Uh, so maybe the world views him differently in that sense. Like... He was the enemy in Winter Soldier. He was the enemy in the eyes of the public in Civil War. And then he was kind of sent to Wakanda in secret. So people knew of him in the news, but I guess they didn't ever associate him with the Avengers outside of Steve Rogers. So maybe that's why. But they also know about Wakanda now, too, because there's a Wakanda embassy. So would they not like would it not somehow get out that the Winter Soldier was in Wakanda? I don't know. I know it's me being nitpicky, but just a lot of that stuff this week really kind of took me out of the episode. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. It, it did make me wonder, too. Yeah, I was like, oh, I guess they don't know that he's not Winter Soldier anymore. Um, before we move on, uh, it sounds like the Power Broker has some involvement in Madripoor as well. So, again, I mean, any any final thoughts when it comes to that? I mean, this is a villain they've been setting up for three episodes now as this high-ranking character that has to do with the Super Soldier serum, I guess. So, any guesses? have to imagine it's somebody we would at least recognize. I feel like the way they're setting it up, it can't just be a random person, I wouldn't think. Your Sharon Carter power broker theory really blew me away. That could be a really fun twist, and it would kind of alleviate a lot of the convenience issues I have with this episode. I do have one other, though. I have one other theory for you guys. This one actually might make more sense. Actually, it definitely makes more sense because of the connection to the super soldier serum. There is a character that we know for better or worse, is obsessed with kind of weaponizing and control controlling, better way to put it, controlling the is super it General soldiers. General Roth? General Ross. Who we General Ross was also in Civil War. <laughs> so and he was in like the Avenger Infinity War and Endgame movies. So they're using him again. Uh same actor, so maybe he's the power broker. What if it's Justin Hammer? <laughs> that would be a good <laughs> twist. I'd like that. 
He comes out dancing to some disco. That would be funny. <laughs> Maybe he was at the party with Sharon Carter. He and Daniel Brule have a dancing scene. Man, I wish I had a good name to throw out there, but I just, I've got nothing. So I'm sorry, guys. It's okay. I forgive you. So kind of in line with the power broker, we have the flag smashers still in Carly Morgenthau. This is kind of a random question, but I wanted to throw it by you guys real quick. So I didn't love that Morgenthau murders seemingly innocent people at the end of this episode. Maybe I read the situation wrong, but it seemed like to me they were doing the whole Robin Hood thing. They were taking these um, supplies, like the um, excess supplies that they didn't need and taking it to give to the poor. Cool. I still like that element. But there was people in in this building they were taking from, and then she blows it up. And the other guy's like, there are people in there. And she's like, that's the only language they understand. And... I guess I kind of get that, but overall, this moment felt more like a way to remind the audience, hey, this person's a villain, guys. Don't forget that. Because so far in the series, she has seemed more like a person genuinely trying to help the underprivileged that just also happens to have the super soldier serum. So this is kind of a weird trend that the MCU does a lot with these kind of gray villains murdering people just so the audience can go, Okay, so they are bad. It's the same thing with Eric Killmonger in Black Panther, who the entire movie I was on his side. Like, I get where he's coming from, but then he randomly just snaps an old lady's neck and it's like, oh, I guess he's bad. Same with Vulture and Homecoming. It's like, I like that he's kind of standing up and helping out these like these guys. Why did Tony Stark take over this job? But then he randomly kills the first shocker. And it's like, oh, I guess they are bad. So it's a weird trend that I don't like. What did you guys think of that moment? And did that work for you? Yeah, I'm kind of right in line with where you are. It it felt really out of nowhere, especially for what we've seen so far from Carly Morgenthau in this series. And I guess it could have felt a little bit more natural if we had seen her like truly lose something and like really push her over the edge. So far, we've only really seen her lose one team member and we haven't seen enough of that relationship to know if she like, if this is somebody that was like super close to her or anything like that. So I just feel like they still could have done this, but it would have had to been like later on in the show where we kind of know the character more and maybe we've seen her like pushed over the edge. But just to have it play out like kind of out of nowhere felt really rushed to me. Yeah, definitely caught me off guard. And I wasn't, I didn't even know that was her at first. And I was really digging her character too. Like I was really excited to see like the upcoming confrontation scene between her, Sam and Bucky. Like I was really looking forward to that moment. And now I just kind of feel like, like you said, Matt, the show just really wants us to be like, she is bad. She's really bad. So I, that really did kind of let me down. Ugh, yeah. The fact that she was kind of crying uh, on the plane uh, in the last one, too. I just thought she maybe had a different side to her. But after this one, I don't know. This might be a bad bitch. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what they want you to think, though, Keith. Yeah, Like they're, exactly. they're doing it to take the greatness out of the character. Which I hate. It's such a shitty trend to me. It's like... You can have characters like this that aren't like overtly villainous that still have differing views and all that. It just happens to oppose what our quote unquote heroes are trying to do. I wish they would lean into that because she literally just murders an entire building of people. And it's like her only response is it's the only language you'll understand. And I get that earlier in the episode, she had some clearly like a mother type figure, like maternal figure that died of tuberculosis, I think like. Because they were in like an overcrowded hospital, which I guess played into the blip, like people coming back and it's like overcrowded now. But then, I mean, even that, like the response is just to kill the, I mean, take the supplies, please. But there was innocent people in there. At least that's what I thought. Again, I could be wrong. So it just makes the character kind of irredeemable. And I was looking forward, like you said, to a confrontation where we kind of actually understood this character's side. Whereas now I feel like it's not going to be as compelling. Well, I feel like we just kind of need like one more thread. 
like they need to establish like the people she killed had a direct hand yeah. in uh her her matriarch figure dying like we didn't get any of that so that's why it kind of fell out of nowhere yeah who do you guys think is going to get to carly morgenthau first is it going to be sam and bucky or is it going to be john walker and lamar hoskins Hmm. Or the power broker. Question. Or the power broker. As maybe that's how we get our reveal next week of who the power broker is. Because she now needs the super soldier serum from Carly Morgenthau and the Flag Smashers. Right, because she stole it all, according to the doctor. And I'm saying she now because you now have it in my head that Sharon, Sharon Carter, Carter is the power broker. <laughs> Whoever they are needs to check down Carly Morgenthau. It's General Ross. He wants all the serums so he can inject Abomination more. Because <laughs> now Abomination's like, he's just like in his like full form. He's like, oh. If I had a body that was 20 years younger with the mind I have now, I'd be all set. <laughs> Maybe I can find a way to make a better movie if I get some more super soldier serum. Uh, hell yeah. Uh, yeah, so Keith, what do you think? Who's making it to Morgenthau first? You know what? I think it might be kind of a meet in the middle kind of thing. I totally agree. Maybe they'll agree. both get to I her totally at the same time. And then there'll be some confrontation with then Walker. Then she escapes, of course, during that. Yep, that's what I'm thinking. What if they have to save her from the power broker? I mean, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I think it would obviously play a huge role into who would, like, who is it, and maybe that's why they react the way they do. So I guess we'll see. All righty. Well, before we end off here, so we're left at the end of the episode with Bucky taking a walk, and he encounters Ao from Wakanda. So what's your guys' theories on what she'll do or be like in the remaining of the series? I know she says she's here for Zemo, so you, do you think she'll kill him and leave, or will they convince her to join the team? I feel, I feel like this was so smart to bring in somebody from Wakanda into the show, especially having Zemo be involved, because I honestly had totally forgotten his history with Wakanda. It does really make this show feel like really connected to the MCU even more so now that we do have a Wakanda person here. So I, I really enjoyed that reveal this week, and that actually was one of my favorite parts of the show. I have no clue, though, how much she's going to appear, though, in the remainder of the show. Like, I'm curious if maybe she's just, like, a tease for the finale, or if, like, Bucky does reveal her presence to Sam. I have no idea what to expect from her character. Yeah, I was really glad to see her. Not trying to make it dour, but this moment did make me go a little bit, like, R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman, because Zemo killed T'Challa's father. So, I mean, the moment where Bucky comes back and it's Black Panther standing there here, like... Zemo escaped and you're working with him. Why? Bring him to me. I'm going to kill him. If you don't, I'm going to kill you too. Like that would have been like, oh my God. But I agree with Austin. Ultimately, we're getting somebody from Wakanda. So we're connecting it. This is going to help a lot with Zemo's story. And I think it's definitely going to help with Bucky's story too. Because again, we've talked about it already today. Uh, the peace he felt in Wakanda. So even though he's working with Zemo, connecting that plot line will be cool too. And uh, I'm curious where it goes. I have a feeling... That maybe they'll use this to have Bucky end up in Wakanda, maybe for the series. Maybe they'll set him back up to leave the Winter Soldier mantle behind and he'll retake up the White Wolf mantle that he had in Infinity War. Maybe they'll set him up to have like a lead role in Black Panther 2 or something. Maybe he'll return to Wakanda, maybe. Do you think that Zemo might piss off Falcon and Bucky so much that they'll just hand him over? To Io. Once they have the information, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they're willing to either put him back behind bars or just hand him over to Wakanda. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Honestly, they probably could end this show with Zemo being in prison in Wakanda, because I bet they probably have a more secure prison oh. than any anybody in the States has. That'd be cool. Maybe that then sets up a Zemo appearance for Black Panther 2 as well, like you said about Bucky. Yeah, I mean, Baron Zemo is... Behind Red Skull, I would say, is probably the most infamous Captain America villain. 
So the fact that he played a smaller, I mean, the main villain, but still a small role in Civil War, and now he's a big role here. I'm curious, like, does he end this dead or do we see him in the future? And I think the answer will, for both sides, will be tied into AO and Wakanda being introduced into the show, because I think they're going to have a big part in that decision. Okay, my friends. So we are going to start wrapping up here, but I do want to know, since we are at the midway point, kind of like we've already touched on, how are you guys feeling headed into the second half of this show? Is there anything you're regretting? Anything you're hoping for? What are you guys thinking? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm excited to see what happens. And yeah, I really have no idea what to expect. I, with all our theories that we just put out, I'm just I'm, I'm excited that I don't know what to expect. I'm, I'm glad that it's not predictable. I'm right there with you. I Again, like I said, I, I did like this episode a lot. I think maybe a little bit more than you guys. That being said, it was still my least favorite of the three that we've gotten so far. But I'm excited. I'm with I'm with Keith. I don't know what to expect going forward. And we have so many fun, interesting, like actual characters with depth in play. So I'm curious how they will kind of finish out their stories because we have lots of heroes. We have seemingly a lot of villains and people that could potentially become a villain. So I'm curious where these motives play out and how kind of the flag smasher um, element, like how the ending of that story affects everybody and where they're left off at the end of these six episodes. So I can't wait for next week. I'm just, again, I I had some issues with this episode, but I cannot wait to see where it goes after this. Yeah, I think for me, I think it's it's pretty clear. I've been the lowest this week on this episode specifically. Um, I still am really high overall on the show though. And I'm just excited to see what we get in the remaining three episodes. I think if they can flush out a lot of the characters that they introduced in episode three, then overall, like all this stuff is going to work for me better. I just need them to kind of do a little bit more character development just to make things feel a bit less forced for me from episode three. Sure. I get that. Okay. And with that, everybody, I think that is going to do it for us today. So thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode and if you've been enjoying the series, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss any of our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really do appreciate that so we can continue to grow this show. And hey, please leave us reviews as well. Uh, even if you don't want to write anything, a starred review on Apple Podcasts really does help. At The Arnie's is our social and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday for the latest installment in the MonsterVerse, Godzilla vs. Kong. That's right. You're definitely not going to want to miss that. Just based on the conversations we've had both on the show and off the air, I think we're going to have some differing views, and I feel like those always lead to some good episodes. So stay tuned for that. We have an episode on the Snyder Cut that's out. Check that out. Like Austin mentioned at the top, we talked about Iron Man 2 this week. So if you need more of your MCU fix, head there. Austin and I also recorded a co-op couch episode where we talked about all the video game news for March and broke down our favorite video game characters of all time. And last but not least, Falcon and Winter Soldier has three episodes left. They come out every Friday, which means stay tuned because we will be releasing our thoughts on the following Sunday. Go back and check us out on Instagram at the Arnie's. Feel free to direct message us your thoughts on this episode and future episodes coming out. Please go back and catch up on our MCU Phase 1, so go back and watch Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, and look forward to Thor. And please give us your thoughts on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We want to hear your thoughts. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for us. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you on Tuesday. Madripoor. <laughs>